Today's episode of the St. Louis Sports Calzone is brought to you by the good folks at Current Systems NPC, where Skydration Systems are helping bring safe drinking water to families around the globe from the sky. To learn more, check them out online on Facebook or Twitter. And to see what you can do to help, head on over to their Kickstarter page. Really doing some great stuff. Okay, on episode 10, we recap the NFL draft, which all of its winners and losers and way too soon projections. I have renowned football guy Jack Sullivan on the show to do that. Also on the episode, I continue my countdown of my top 10 St. Louis athletes ever, with the latest additions being number 8 and 7. In other news, the MLB and NHL are eyeing July returns, which would be terrific. Let's see what else. Uh, Kim Jong-un is maybe dead, but who knows? All that is next and more on the St. Louis Sports Calzone. It's the St. Louis Sports Cow Zone, presented by me. Welcome to episode 10. We hit double figures, boys. It's a great day to be alive. Today is Monday, April 27th. Only a couple more weeks until Zoom school is out for summer. I had a great discussion with Jack Sullivan earlier today, like I mentioned in the opener, and we're just going to hop right into that right now. All right, we are here with esteemed guest Jack Sullivan. Sully, how's it going? Doing well, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. Um, well, we're 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 going to talk about the NFL draft for sure. But uh, first off, something that happened a little bit prior to the draft. Really, the only big news in sports in the last month, other than Brady to the Buccaneers, Rob Gronkowski, elite WWE wrestler is back in the football world, and he's teaming up with Brady in Tampa Bay. So, Jack, I don't know what your thoughts on this are, but uh, Gronkowski in Florida is going to be a, a fun time, if nothing else. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I was very surprised by the move. I thought he was done. Like many other play, like great players, like Calvin Johnson, I thought he was ending his career because here he had a probably top three tight end, if not the best tight end ever. And he already has three Super Bowl rings and a bunch of money. And, yeah, and he hasn't. Yeah, I think I think he said he hasn't spent any of his like salary. He just spent all the money from endorsements. Like he's been <laughs> saving his money pretty well. But I think what the shows definitely is that like the Patriot re- regime was way too stressful for him, and he just wanted to come back and play football and not have to worry about the Belichick stress. That seems like was like a major component of their success, but also like major flaw if not of people wanting to leave the Patriots in general like Brady and Gronk yeah I don't know if you've been watching the uh the last dance documentary on Michael Jordan but they're talking about Jerry Krause who was the Bulls owner at the time and like I mean the whole time they just rip on this guy but he gives me big time Bill Belichick vibes just like kind of kind of alienates people kind of has his own like way of doing things but I mean it was successful got a bunch of rings um, I feel yeah, I feel like Jerry Krause is a little different than Bill Belichick. Is Bill Belichick is like 
we'll see probably this year. But he, I think he's mastermind by the Patriots, and Kraus is more so like he. I mean, he got the greatest player ever. That is true. Yeah, kind of got lucky with that. Yeah. And I mean, that happens, and he got pieces around him. Like he for sure should get more credit than the documentary showing him, but. He also should not blown up the team when you have arguably the greatest coach ever who ended up winning 11 titles and, in my opinion, the greatest player ever and the greatest number two player ever. It's, I don't know, I, I haven't watched this week's episodes, three and four, but from one and two, I could see Scottie Pippen was treated pretty pretty poorly. Um, and I know Des Rodman was a major part of this this week's, but I still need to watch that, so. Yeah. Yeah. Kraus definitely with some with some head scratchers. Um, I definitely I, I actually disagree with you on this though that Pippen is the second greatest player of all time. I think he's overrated in a lot of ways because everybody everybody talks about how underrated he is. But I was looking up his I was looking up his numbers like while I was watching the first two episodes, like he was really good, but not the not not like a top twenty player of all time. Like I, I don't think at any point in his career was he even like top five in the league. So. I don't know. That's just my yeah. two cents. I yeah. feel like... I, I, yeah, just to clarify, I don't think he's, like, the second greatest player ever. I think he's, like, the greatest... Compliment? Like, and people say the Robin. Because, like, yeah. it's, like, an AD and LeBron situation nowadays. They're, like, they're more, like, 1A, 1B. They're not, like, AB, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. they're, they're more, like, both really, really good, where Pippen is obviously not nearly as good as Jordan, but he's fit the team almost as well as, like, I think better than any, like, number two player to superstar ever has. I mean, maybe you throw Kyrie and D-Wade in there with LeBron during his, like, title runs, but, and I don't know who else, because, like, as you look throughout history, it's more so, like, you have a three-man, like, a big three, or, like, a lot of star players. There's not so much, like, a sidekick in NBA history. So, yeah. All right, well, well back to football. That, that's my bad. Yep. Uh, we got off on that tangent. Another thing, another thing I want to mention – before we get into the draft, Jameis Winston to the Saints and Taysom Hill resigns. So they have three. Well, they have two QB ones. I don't. I don't know what Taysom Hill is at this point. Back in February, he said, "I definitely view myself as a franchise quarterback," and he was like, "Not gonna." Basically, he said he was going to look elsewhere for options for a team if the Saints didn't feel the same way about him. But he's 29 years old, and he just signed a two-year deal to still be the third string. So I don't know if he's kind of had people like in his ear telling him, like, look, dude, you're not actually that good of a quarterback. But he's a great guy um, to have just as a football player. Like, he does so many other things. But in terms of being the future of the franchise, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Jameis just takes the reins over after Drew Brees retires. But that's just me. Yeah, in my opinion, this is just a great situation for like the Saints in general because, uh, and all the players involved because Drew Brees will probably go out on top. Like they won't. I don't know if they're going to win. Like I'm not predicting that or anything. But like he'll have one good hoorah like last season. James Winston, hopefully, he has the talent. He's only 25 years old, and he can he can learn under Brees like a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame quarterback and learn the ins and outs of being more accurate, being safer with the football in general. And then Taysom Hill is arguably like one of their best players because if you watch the Vikings game where they lost, he was like probably the main reason that, that they were even in the game. Like they, they played pretty bad besides him. And if I mean he caught I think it was like a fifty yard pass or he threw one, it was 
he was just a game changer. You got to keep a guy like that on your team, even if you have a Hall of Famer or like another starting caliber quarterback like James Winston. Yeah, Taysom Hill, a jack of all trades for sure. Um, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter uh, Jameis Winston's workouts, but I don't. I don't really have much to comment on it. It's just. It's just kind of weird. Like I feel like a lot of the stuff that he does that he puts on Twitter, it's like I could do that because he's just standing there with a the football, like pretending to be in the pocket, and he's just like he's just doing his little like tap dance thing. Is like like shuffle his feet, and that's it. Like and then people are like throwing sandbags at him or something. But I feel like that. I don't know. You've been around football a lot more than I have. Does that do anything for a quarterback? I feel like. I feel like every quarterback does that if you're in the NFL. So, like, I don't know his case is any special. One thing that people should be more talking about is that the guy got LASIK this offseason. That's and true. That could really help him. Like, he threw 30 interceptions, which is <laughs> obviously horrible. I think it was the first time ever that someone threw 30 for 30, like 30 touchdowns, 30, 30 interceptions. 30 club. So, yeah. Carlos Beltran. Honestly, he has a talent. He's only 25. Like I said before, he, he can still make a great career out of this if he just learns how to take care of the ball more because he has arm talent. And he yeah, and he has weapons in Tampa. So if he gets a chance in New Orleans, I'd like to see him. I mean, I think it could be a great spot for him to develop. Yeah, especially with Mike Thomas, too. Like, he would have weapons. Um, yeah, for sure. May need to work a little bit on his, uh, on his pregame speech material. <laughs> But uh, we eating no, uh, some W's, baby. Yeah, All right. W. All right. Um, on to the draft, though. So I think in terms of winners, we're going to do a little bit of winning. We're going to do a little bit of losing. I think the first winner that we have to acknowledge, Cincinnati. I mean, Joe Burrow. Yeah, he's, I, I agree. Like, that, was, that was the first on my list as well. I, I mean, at, at number one, you have a franchise quarterback. Falls in their lap. Just don't mess it up. They didn't mess it up. Thankfully, he didn't try and do an Eli Manning and like get out of the situation. Like, I'm excited to see what he can do with that franchise. They also got T. Higgins. He's a big boy, playmaker, uh, somebody on the outside to throw to. Um, they're not going to be good, but that was an important first step into trying to build something. Yeah, go off that. I think. I mean, they're they're probably one of the hardest divisions of football with MVP. The Steelers would be better with Big Ben back. The Browns are only going to get better as Baker Mayfield hopefully develops. Um, but they also they're getting their number one pick from last year back. It was offensive tackle, which could help their O line a lot. Um, Joe Burrow, I think, is going to be at, at worst he'll be like an average to pretty good quarterback. But I mean, his peak is he's going to be a superstar because I mean you don't you don't just set the record of touchdowns and everything else he did at LSU. And they come to the NFL and not do well, usually. I mean, we've seen cases where that happens, like Jamarcus Russell or Vince Young fail. But I feel like he's – one thing about him is that he's much more accurate than a lot of quarterbacks that we've seen come out recently. So I think that could be a great aspect to his game. Um, but as a whole, I mean, you go with, like, with T. Higgins, like that's a great pick. Coming from a – you want a blue blood wide receiver, that's him. You, you want someone that's proven – and I think he'll turn out to be really good to go along with it. I mean, if A.J. Green comes back, their offense could be really good. Joe Mixon, too. Joe Mixon, yeah. Joe Mixon's underrated. Like, he was overrated last year, but I feel like he ended the year really strong. And he could come back if they have a better line and really, like, become a probably, like, a top-ten running back, if not, like, 
really good running back. So yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think the worst case scenario for Joe Burrow is like a Carson Palmer type, where like yeah. he's good but not great. Maybe has a couple peak years, uh, but I think like peak he wins a couple Super Bowls. Yeah, for sure. I I mean that that's hard to say because football is more of a team game. Um, I don't. He's know got if, the tools though. He's got the tools. If if you put him in a good situation. Yeah. yeah, definitely need to worry about the defense now and building an O-line to protect him because O-line especially because as you saw with like Andrew Luck, you don't want your franchise quarterback to just his career to be over because you couldn't you didn't build an O-line for him or pay for any O-lineman to protect him. Yeah, that was pretty unfortunate to see what happened in Indianapolis. Uh, with this draft though, despite not having a first round pick at all, they did pretty well. Uh, got a running back and in the fourth round, a six foot six quarterback, so gotta love the big, the big gunslingers. Uh, what what do you know about their their running back situation? Yeah, that that's one thing that's kind of questionable in my view. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is arguably the best running back in the draft because he ran the fastest forty, and he's been a stud at Wisconsin for the past few years. But they already have Marlon Mack, who's really good and just fantasy wise coming up it's going to be interesting to see like two really good running backs compete for the job and then but it's really going to help their offense as a whole because I mean, as we can see running back by committees win titles like with the Chiefs this year and the 49ers they're both running backs by committee like each playoff game that someone else different lead the way and also one of the sleeper picks of the draft is when they uh, got Michael Pittman from USC wide receiver I feel like he's going to be a great addition to their offense, really opening it up for T.Y. Hilton. If he can stay healthy this year, just to pass the ball more with Philip Rivers, big upgrade over Jacoby Brissett, and a great O-line. I like to see Philip Rivers have a better year. And overall, I think the Colts are going to be a sleeper team this year. Titans, I don't know what their situation is going to be with another year of Tannehill. Maybe people figure out how to deal with Derrick Henry better, so he's there's more pressure on him. The Jaguars are a mess, and uh, the Texans are probably the worst-run organization in football, trading DeAndre Hopkins for virtually nothing. <laughs> they should have at least gotten a first-round pick for the best receiver in football, in my opinion. But, yeah, the Colts, I feel like they really upgraded their team in this draft. So. I tell you what, Phil's going to go crazy this year. I'm, I'm a big Phillip Rivers believer. He's, he's just like, in the grand scheme of things, just incredibly underrated, I think, just because he ended up in the same era as guys like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Um, Phillip Rivers is, you look at any of these, like, all-time um, passing yards, passing touchdowns, he's really top ten in all those things. So no Philip Rivers slander will be allowed on the Sports Cow Zone. We love Phil. All right, now moving on to uh, a couple losers in the draft. The Packers. What, yeah. what are they doing? Uh, so last year, make it to the NFC Championship game. They might have not really belonged there, but that's that's another debate for another time. But their two best players are their quarterback and their running back. And they go out in this draft, and their two first picks are their are, are quarterback, who's, I don't know, and a running back. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So after the Rams left, I've kind of adopted Packers as my team because Brett Favre was my favorite, one of my favorite quarterbacks growing up. Um, 
So the past couple of years, it's been great to see, especially last year, the Packers like improve. And hopefully, like last year, especially they didn't waste Aaron Rodgers' uh, career like by getting into the championship game. Um, but this year, I was expecting in the draft that they were going to go get a great wide receiver. They were positioned to be such a deep class to just go get one just to help Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers just get more help. But instead, they draft a quarterback when Aaron Rodgers has four years left on his deal. Now, this may not be a bad move in like retrospect, maybe in a couple of years, like Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and Jordan Love is going to be a star. But right now, it's very bad. Just when you still have a quarterback playing at an elite level, it's way different than the Brett Favre situation, even though that they're the same age. Whenever, like, uh, uh, Brett Favre the same age when Aaron Rodgers got drafted as Aaron Rodgers is now, but Brett Favre was not playing at nearly high a level, even though he did afterwards uh, after Aaron Rodgers got drafted. Um, it's just I don't know what to say about it when you have all these late receivers and you just pass on all of them. And then going off that, you have one of the best running backs in football in Aaron Jones and. Jamal Williams, who's a great backup, and you waste your second-round pick on a really good running back, but what do you have, three running backs? You can't have three running backs on the field. You need you need no line. You need more receivers. Because right now, their number two is Devin Funches, who is such, <laughs> he's such a project player, and I don't, I don't even know what to say if you go into the season expecting him to be your number two. Like, he has a great potential, but... He's not going to be a for sure thing, and you're one game away from the Super Bowl, and you just kind of throw away any advancement you could make during this offseason. Yeah, and then in terms of Aaron Rodgers' future, like we talk about he's still playing at an elite level, and he still has years left of playing at that level. But you got to plant apples to eat apples, and I can't figure out which apples the Packers are trying to eat because they're. it looks like they're building for the future, but... Like, you, you have an MVP-type quarterback on your team, and you have a lot of other pieces. All you needed to do was draft a wide receiver, and there were, like, something like 35 wide receivers taken in the first, or I, I guess just in the draft, and they didn't pick a single one. So that's just really a head-scratcher. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. In terms of his future, I, I, don't, I don't think they're intending to deal him away anytime soon. Jordan Love is definitely not ready to go. Like, he, he's not going to be a guy you can just throw out there on the field either this year or even the following year. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Um, another loser in the – oh, sorry. You go. Oh, um, yeah. Well, just going off that, I don't – like best-case scenario for the Packers that Aaron Rodgers plays like throughout the rest of his contract and he's playing, still playing at elite level. But at that point, Jordan Love is going to be like a fifth-year player. Like he'll have an option. And like what do you do with that option? You pay him – a premium for quarterback when you haven't seen him play a single down. It's just going to be a waste of Jordan Love's career pretty much. Like, he'll get mentored by Aaron Rodgers hopefully, but – and it's just going to be – it's going to carry, like, bad vibes within the team and just kind of just conflict that is so unneeded at this point when you're one game away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Definitely definitely a head-scratcher. Uh, another another move that some people are, are a little confused on, and myself as well, so – Matt Hayes, valued listener, he's not going to like to hear this, but Justin Herbert getting chosen by the Chargers, he was not a great college quarterback. And if L.A. is thinking quarterback the whole time, you know, you argue that they that 
that all they would have had to do was trade up one spot to get Tua. So I don't know if they just viewed um, Herbert as their guy from the get-go, but other than Tua's um, injury concerns, he's going to be a stud. So I don't know. Uh, Personally, I'm a big Tua guy. I probably would have traded up for Tua. Um, I think I'm actually become a Dolphins fan. So I I haven't had a team since the Rams left. But I think that it might be time, so I don't know. We'll see. But I, I, I don't know what you're thinking on that. Yeah, in my eyes, I just I feel like if Isaiah Simmons there at six, you've got to take him through the Chargers. And, like, Tyrod Taylor's not that great. But there's also people are forgetting Cam Newton is still out there. Cam Newton, yes, dude. Is, he was a great quarterback before he got hurt last year. He was playing at probably one of the highest level quarterback play in the whole league before he got hurt. And I feel like he's – if you give him time to heal and just come back whenever he's ready, the Chargers could really make a Super Bowl run because Derwin James is coming back this year. They're uh, elite safety, and then they also traded. They also acquired two great offensive linemen, one from the Packers, like, and then uh, also I think Trey Turner from the Panthers. And uh, it just Justin Herbert, the move just doesn't really make sense. It's kind of similar to the Jordan Love situation where they don't want him to play right away. But it's your sixth overall pick. Usually you want that player to make an impact right away. And you have players like Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons just right there. And you just kind of pass on them who are for sure things, in my opinion. And Justin Herbert is such a project. He, he was such a highly touted prospect but for the past few years. But he just never seemed – he never, like, played well in these big games. Like, in the Rose Bowl he did, of course. But – he never really took the step where he was like consistent throughout the whole year. He'd have great games or very bad games. Like the Arizona State game this year, he played really poorly. But as I said, in the Rose Bowl, he looked like a first-round talent that was going to be a stud in the NFL. So in my opinion, I wouldn't have done that. I would have taken him that early. He's just too much of a risk. Yeah, two, two teams that, uh, that had first-round talent fall on their lap and didn't mess it up. Uh, in terms of sure things, C.D. Lamb to the Cowboys, he's a sure thing. And uh, the Broncos getting getting Judy. I love it. I also agree with those moves. I think Cowboys especially, Broncos also make great moves. But the Cowboys, wow, they really improved their offense. They have Mari Cooper locked down for five more years. Zeke is still one of the best running backs in the league. Now if they just get Dak signed, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with that offense and Michael Gallup coming into his second year their receiving core is looking really really good and then the Broncos man they they're gonna be disgusting if, if Drew Locke can just just play average at best I mean even if he doesn't need to be great they have so many weapons and they also uh the guy from Penn State they got in the second round uh on top of Judy and then the then also Judy. also also the um the Mizzou tight end Dude, yeah. He's a stud too. So yeah, Drew Locke just like don't mess it up, dude. Like that's all there is to it. Um, yeah, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay there. Two Pro Bowl running backs. I think his best was the best receiver in the draft. I and Noah Fant. I, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be high scoring and uh, high city. Yeah, for sure. And um, their their defense is not bad too. Like all all that has to happen is Von Miller doesn't die from coronavirus. And they're set on defense too. I mean, they they were like a top top half uh, defensive team last year. They just have a lot of a lot of talent on offense now, and so that'll be really fun to watch. Um, let's see what else. 
Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield both got offensive line help. That's big for yeah, both for those sure. guys. I, I think the Bucks really had a really good draft because one, their biggest need was offensive line and protecting Brady, and Worfs fell right to them. And that was, I mean, all they had to do was trade up one pick, and they got their guy. And I feel like this is the first time in a while that Brady has really had a coach that wants to protect him. Even though Belichick, obviously, like his scheme works very well if they won six Super Bowls, but the coach is kind of catering towards Brady. Um, Bruce Arians is going to do a great job with that offense, and it's going to be a fun thing to see in Tampa for sure. I think they're going to make a run this year. If if any of their just chemistry can work out, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think what's interesting to see is like when when Brady was in New England. There was all. There was always been his whole career the undertones of the talk of is he a system quarterback like is it Belichick or is it Brady? But now you see him in a situation in Tampa Bay where it's all going to be catered toward him. He's got the weapons. Mike Evans. Uh, we're going to see Gronk back, like we talked about. Chris Godwin. Um, so as opposed to back in New England, I think we might see Tom Brady with a little bit more autonomy and more freedom. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I don't know if it'll be fair to uh, to judge his legacy at all on it, though, because he is like what forty two years old. Um, but it'll it'll definitely be fun to see how that works out. What I think is interesting, though, is like in terms of after Brady, the Buccaneers have no plan, so they're gonna be good for like two years, and then and then what? Um, I think Jameis Winston comes back, but that's just me. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I- but, I mean, in the short After, term, the Bucks have been arguably the worst quarterback team in NFL history, if you look through their history. And I don't blame them for going all in right now. They have, they finally have the quarterback. He's not going to throw 30 interceptions, hopefully. And they have a great tight end now. Two great, I mean, potentially two great tight ends if O.J. Howard can catch the ball. Um, the running back situation is a little iffy, but... Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are arguably the best wide receiver duo in the league. It's, I mean, stat-wise, you just look at it. Um, so it's definitely going to be fun to see because Bruce Arians, their, their coach, revived Carson Palmer's career in Arizona. So I'd like to see what he can do with a greater talent than Brady. Yeah, that'll definitely be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, now moving on to another pick, second round, Philadelphia Eagles taking Jalen Hurts. I personally love the move. Uh you're shaking your head, looking like maybe not so much, Sally. I just I don't feel like it was a smart move at that point in the draft when you have Carson Wentz, who could potentially be one of the best quarterbacks in the league if you got him some help, such as uh, Denzel Mims, who fell to the Jets six picks later. You just let him go by when you still need a lot of wide receiver help. And sure, Jalen Hurts is a great player, but you can only have one quarterback on the field, really. And he's not hey, actually, he's not the same as Taysom Hill. He, he's more of a traditional quarterback, in my opinion. He's great talent. I think he flourished at some other place like New England or any other teams that are in transition, transition periods. But in this moment, I really young quarterback in Carson Wentz. I think he's 29, if I'm not mistaken, at most, at, at oldest. But I just don't see it unless you're predicting that he's going to hurt in the future. Which I think I think will happen. But first off, I want to hold that thought on the on, on saying that you can only have one quarterback on the field at a time. According to some Yahoo sports writer, Charles Robinson, the Eagles may run a two-quarterback offense with both Wentz mm. and Hurts on the field at the same time. 
That would be crazy. I tagged you. Oh, I tagged you in that yesterday in, in that post. Um, but <laughs> they could orient. They could orient. Bleh, they could orient their offense around that and around speed. Um, apparently, they were looking to acquire Marquise Goodwin, freaking former Olympian. So with with all that speed, Wentz is an underrated athlete, by the way. Um, I think their offense could be electric. Also, also if if Wentz does get hurt, Jalen Hurts is a stud. Um, I think he's underrated, to be honest, because he doesn't get the looks that guys like Justin Herbert did when, in fact, in college, he was not just an athlete. Like, he didn't just run the ball. He honestly had a better college career, I think, than um, than Lamar Jackson, to be honest. E- even though he was in Alabama where, like, everything is set up really nicely for you, like, as a freshman, he was, like, he was, like, all SEC. Like, he, he was that good, and he stayed that good. So I think I think Hurts will work out. That'll be so fun to watch if, if him and Wentz are on the field at the same at the same time. Um, but Wentz is going to get hurt at some point. I mean, we know that's inevitable. Starting quarterbacks, you try to protect them, but like the saying goes, the most important position on the team is a quarterback. Second most is the backup quarterback. So I don't hate it. Uh, you do have a great point about the wide receiver thing. I mean, that dude who was like catching babies out, out, out of that burning window was even like roasting them. Um, yeah. So so their wide receiver core is not great. Uh, but it is what it is, you know. You just it, it'll definitely be fun to see if they can work that out with two quarterbacks. I mean, I I'd love to see that if if that can be successful, that'd be something new to see. And but I just I don't see when you sign a guy to four years, one hundred twenty eight million dollars, and then you go draft his replacement that early in the draft. It's just doesn't seem like a financially smart move. But yeah, hey, if it, if it, if it gets them to get more wins then it's a good pick so we'll see i mean we 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 saw a couple years ago what having a good backup did for him so i don't know yep who knows all right and then to finish off our draft coverage this monday afternoon the redskins taking chase young at number two some people think he might be the best player pound for pound in the draft forget about position obviously the Bengals needed a quarterback they need their franchise quarterback They, they got joe burrow no complaints there but Chase Young is a physical specimen. He's he's six five, and apparently, he he said that like his dad and his uncles like all grew like past college. So we could be looking at a six eight Chase Young in a couple of years, injury prone maybe, but he'd be a monster. Yeah, I I think it's a great pick. I mean, you gotta take the best player available at that point, and Chase Young is. I mean, Joe Burrow's. You needed to draft him if you're Cincinnati. He fit too well, but Chase Young was the best player in the draft. The Ohio State coaching staff, especially their D-line coaches, man, they've done a great job the last couple of years. Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, and now Chase Young. I'm really excited to see what Ron Rivera is going to be able to do with that D-line and the defense as a whole. I feel like the Redskins could be a rising team, but I don't know about Dwayne Haskins. We'll see how that works out. I still think they might need a quarterback, but if Dwayne Haskins can paint out, watch out for the Redskins. Yeah. I personally don't really believe in Dwayne Haskins. I think he's kind of a, kind of a weirdo, but uh, not a great quarterback either. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, I call a spade a spade. I think he's kind of a weirdo, but that's just me. Jameis Winston's kind of a weirdo. Threw 30 picks last year. Yep. I believe in him, but he's kind of a weirdo. Um, now yep, moving, on to, sure. moving on to the war rooms. So, obviously, we all saw... Bill Belichick having his dog make the picks. That was funny. Um, 
Vrabel. I don't even know what was going on in that scene. He's sitting there at his at his desk or whatever in the room. Also, I thought that was interesting that like all these guys have like sky cams. Like they have like the bird's eye view of them in their room. I don't really know what that was all about. Um, but do you know who those two guys were who were just like in there with them so, wearing like costumes? So supposedly Vrabel, I don't know if you saw the reflection, like people thought that it was like someone on the toilet in the background. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. It was actually his son sitting <laughs> on a stool in the kitchen. Okay. So it wasn't that, but it was pretty funny to see in a live moment. I coach like it looked like someone left the door open, <laughs> um, but I don't know what was going on with other people in the room. Uh, it's just it was really interesting to see all these people's houses and just like I mean not even just the coaches but like some of these players. I know they're probably Airbnbs, but some of those houses were <laughs> so nice. nice, very nice. And then uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I think his house, the Arizona Cardinals coach, was. Ooh, the outside was just made me want to go to Arizona for sure. And it's just all these coaches look like they like varied because Belichick's house, it was all right. But uh, for being a six-time Super Bowl champion, he didn't, he, it looks like he doesn't really need a great house. He's got his dog. He lets his rings do the talking. Yep. Um, okay, well, actually, you just brought up Arizona, which reminded me of something. The MLB – possibly returning in July with Arizona. Have, have you heard anything more on that? Because I think they're just saying that, like, they would just send all these players to Arizona, just, like, quarantine by themselves and just play games with no fans. Yeah, so I saw a tweet today from Jeff Passan, which is a, a LB reporter, that, that 2020 baseball is going to happen, which is great news. They don't, they're still working out the details, but... I think it should be great for America if they can safely play and have something else going on besides coronavirus. It would just be great for everyone's spirits and just like teams in general to not waste a year because like the Dodgers, for example, like they were those are contracts, which is likely not going to happen now. Yeah, and they also they also trade for Mookie Betts, who with the MLB having this year be count towards like everybody's contracts and service time. If the season gets canceled, Mookie Betts might never play for the Dodgers because he can go sign elsewhere in free agency, which is just – it could be crazy because they gave up one of their best prospects in that deal. And it's just there's so many effects to the situation that – I know sports aren't the biggest deal, but – They're a pretty big deal. In the grand scheme of things, but uh, it's it, – I, I hope the baseball scene does happen because – It'd just be a great break for everything, in my view. Well, yeah, I, do you I think, thoughts about that? I think it'd be I think it'd be great for America, but I also think it'd be great for the game of baseball in terms of like returning to popularity. Because number one, you have like the anticipation, obviously, of like it hasn't been around a while, so maybe people who haven't been as interested in the game might tune in when it comes back. Um, but number two, pitchers' arms will not be in as good of shape obviously because their whole schedule with off-season throwing and whatnot is just thrown out of whack. So that could lead to more offense. And that would also be good for baseball yeah. because that's one of the big knocks on the sport and one of the reasons why it's fallen in popularity over the last, I mean, century, to be honest, as other sports have risen, like basketball where it's more high-paced um, action like happening all the time. If there's more offense in baseball, I think that could contribute to more viewers as well. Another sport that uh, we here in St. Louis love 
that could be on its way back in July as well is hockey. Uh, the NHL coming back, that'd be awesome. Need need to see the Blues have a chance to uh, to defend their title this year. Um, I think they can do it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It, it would really be a shame to not see them even have a chance because this could be the last year of Petrangelo. He, like, we don't know what's going to happen with his contract after he becomes a free agent. Um, we don't know how good Jordan Bennington is going to be because goalies are fluctuate in their skill level all the time. They're really hard to find a good goalie. Hopefully he can stay really good. And uh, Also, like this break could give them a chance to have Vladimir Tarasenko return. Yes, that, that's big. Player, as one of the best players in the league, he could really push a team that's already the best team in the Western Conference to get another Stanley Cup appearance or a championship. And also, like, we could have potentially seen, if this does get canceled, that we could we could see, if it, if it happens, that the Blues could play the Boston Bruins again in a rematch, which, although the Bruins are the best team in the NHL, probably points-wise right now. Uh, we got more heart. They, yeah, for sure. We got but, more heart. Uh, seeing that series again, it, I I would love it. I would That'd love be to see unreal. Rematch. I'd love to see a look on Marshawn's face if we beat him. It'd just be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, back in back in I don't know what uh, December January when people were talking about going after Taylor Hall. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but that was like a big deal. Did, it was like yeah. Taylor Hall was on the block. He ends up going to Phoenix. But my whole thing the whole time was like we have a superstar goal scorer coming coming at, at the end of the season anyway like we have a guy on our roster he's not playing right now but we have a taylor hall level type of guy who throughout his career has had better um better luck with injuries than hall has anyway so i was really happy we didn't make that deal i was happy you didn't land in our conference um but yeah exactly i mean if if we come back and the the entire nhl um what, what would happen we we'd probably get like a 10 day like buffer period of just like games to like decide seating and then head right into the playoffs if Tarasenko could use that as like his little preseason two i mean he he's right at the same level as these other guys because everybody else has had to take a big break so i don't think there would be a lot of rust um that he would have to knock off any more than other people have to knock off the rust too so that could actually be really big for us um, yeah he, for sure and uh, i think one of the biggest factors is that like we're such a veteran team we've been there before just last year and I don't think this break would really affect us that much our play I mean, maybe we'll be a little rusty like everyone else but we've got some great talent great leaders and Petrangelo and others and I think Marcus Scandella getting resigned really helps the team morale like he was I don't know what our record was but I think we were on like an 8 or 9 game win streak with him and we just he just completely changed our team dynamic and it's a shame that it had to stop because I think we're, we were on pace to make a great run in the playoffs. And hopefully we get to see that again. And uh, one of the things that they're actually discussing is like having four sites, like four cities that where everyone would play. And, and one St. of them could be St. Louis. Yeah. yeah Louis. I don't know how that would exactly work. Um, I wouldn't mind if there was no fans. Like That'd be great if there were, but I don't think that's going to happen. But just to have NHL at all would be awesome yeah i mean it, it would be so cool just like i mean like you said like no fans so we couldn't go watch but just like to know that they're playing in our city like that's kind of cool um yeah for sure and so i i was actually reading up on this a little bit so 
the the practice facility that they just built like last year um, because they they moved out of the Mills Mall up in North County, which is where I'm from. Good stuff. Uh, <laughs> so they they moved out to like West County. They like built built a new uh, built a new practice facility. Super nice, super big. It is three full ice rinks. So that's plenty of space for practice. They have enough dressing rooms and whatnot. These guys are still gonna be in quarantine, so it's not like they're gonna have like schedules to really work around. Like the NHL, just tell them like, okay, this is when you practice, and they'll practice there. Um, and then the Enterprise Center can easily host three games in a day if that's how they're gonna uh, set it up as well. And then once the playoffs start, I mean, half of these teams can just go home anyway. So I think I think that'd be super fun uh, just to like just just to know they're in St. Louis. Like that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, sports miss them. I need the NA, um, NBA to come back so LeBron can uh, LeBron can get it done this year before he turns too old. I, I don't I don't think he was gonna get it done. I, I think it was Kawhi and the Clippers year, but, but the last time they played, LeBron shut him down. Yeah, but I just I think playoff Kawhi is a whole different animal, and that is it would have been a great. I think it would have been a seven game series. It would have been great. I was I'm really missing that we're not gonna be able to see. Clippers versus Lakers, and oh man, that would have been great. And probably like Kawhi versus Giannis or LeBron versus Giannis would have been great too. So hopefully the NBA comes back so we get to see these great matchups. Like we're probably going to miss Bucks versus Celtics or Clippers versus Lakers, as I previously mentioned. It, it's just a shame. Hopefully, like with the reopening of facilities on May 1st, like this is a good step for our country moving forward to maybe move towards sports coming back. So. Yeah, a return to uh, the normalcy of sports is definitely something that I know we're all anticipating big time. Um, but as we wrap it up, Sully, thanks so much for coming on today. Had a blast. Uh, hope you're doing well. Go Demon Deacons. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you for having me on. Good stuff. All right, see you, buddy. So there you have it, folks. The first but certainly not the last time that Jack Sullivan will be on the St. Louis Sports Cal Zone. So happy he could come on. Uh, one of my best friends. Miss him dearly. Okay, so now that he's stopped listening because his part is over, I actually hate Jack. I'm kidding. Jokes aside, you high tie die. All right, we're going to move on to really the last uh, last little segment. Sully and I talked about everything that I had planned on talking about with the uh, potential returns of the NHL and MLB. So now I will move on to the next installment of my top 10 greatest St. Louis athletes of all time. So last episode, if you missed it, uh, honorable mention, we had Wayne Gretzky. He just didn't spend enough time with a blue note on. Otherwise, he would surely be top 10, but he's an honorable mention. Number 10, Marshall Falk, MVP, heart and soul, some would argue, of the greatest show on turf, that offense. And then at number nine, we had Yadier Molina. For all that he's done for the city and for the Cardinals in the last uh, decade and a half. But now, moving on to today's installment. So first, I will start with bowling great, honorable mention, Pete Weber. So he's from St. Anne, a little town in the, uh, in the St. Louis County. He's still only 53 or 54 years old. Check that, he's 58. But he's already considered one of the greatest bowlers of all time. In the PBA, he came onto the scene and won Rookie of the Year in 1980 at age 17. He went on to win 37 PBA Tour wins 
He had a, he's had so far 11 PBA 50 tour wins, which is like the 50 and up league, I guess. And he's rolled 84 documented, I guess, 300s, which is crazy because I'm sure that he's rolled a lot more uh, without anybody watching in an official competition. Despite all this, despite all his success, despite being inducted into the Bowling Hall of Fame in 1998, following in his father's footsteps, which is pretty cool. Um, he's most known for his high backswing. I'm, I'm reading this online. This is a direct quote. A high backswing and side rotation, which I feel like is pretty standard, but I guess he must do that better than everybody else. Uh, let's see what else. What he's really known for, though, and what I knew him first for is his antics, his outburst, and perhaps the greatest uh, sound bite from an athletics event ever. Take a listen. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! Stop, it yes. That is why I did it! That's number five! Are you kidding me? That's right! Who do you think you are? I am! So while it's not well known that Pete Weber is from St. Louis, and he hasn't had a great impact on the city as a whole, it is safe to say that he deserves some sort of recognition as he's one of the greatest bowlers of all time and a straight-up meme. With that, I will move on to number eight, where I have Brett Hull. If he hadn't cemented his legacy enough on the ice during his illustrious career, the Golden Brett did just that during his speech at the Stanley Cup parade last June. However, his career was not too shabby. Hull made six all-star teams during his time with the club and won an MVP to boot. During his best years, he was known as the best goal scorer in the league as he notched consecutive seasons of 41, 72, 86, 70, 54, and 57 goals. Imagine that, 86 goals in a season. That means that you score one goal in a game and that lowers your average. That is just crazy. He was the face of hockey in St. Louis and in some ways still is. And while he won his two Stanley Cups with Dallas, He'll always be a legend here in St. Louis where he was finally able to lift the cup this past June and deliver a legendary speech, one in which he chanted, We went Blues, which I think that we should do after all games because when the clock's winding down, we say, Let's go Blues. I think as soon as the buzzer hits, we should all start, like, just keep going and say, We went Blues. But that's a tangent for another time. Brett Hull's a fantastic ambassador for the game, an absolute riot to hear when he was mic'd up at the All-Star game this year. And he is the 8th greatest St. Louis athlete of all time. Now moving on to number 7, basketball player Bob Pettit. Not a lot of people know who this guy is, and not a lot of people know that we used to have a basketball team here in St. Louis, but we did. The NBA's current Atlanta Hawks were most recently in St. Louis, where they spent the years 1955 to 1968. There were some ups, most notably peaking with a 1958 NBA championship, and there were some downs, but the face of the franchise through it all was Bob Pettit. Mostly known nationally for his role in the Celtics acquiring Bill Russell, who would end up winning them 11 rings, Bob Pettit was no slouch in his own right. A Hall of Famer, 11-time All-Star, 2-time scoring champ, 4-time All-Star game MVP, tied with Kobe Bryant for the most ever. Uh, he led the league in rebounding. One year, scoring two other years. He was a rookie of the year. And here's some trivia. He was the NBA's first ever MVP, an award that he would then win again. In his career, he averaged 26 points and 16 rebounds a game, 
the player efficiency rating, or PER, that he held for his career was 25.3, seventh all-time, NBA and ABA combined. That's ahead of names like Tim Duncan, Magic Johnson, Carl Malone, Larry Bird, and many more. Crazy stuff. So, while he may not have gotten the championships that Bill Russell had, he also didn't have quite as much help. So, inducted as a player into the NBA Hall of Fame in 1971, Bob Pettit, also known as Big Blue, and the Bombardier from Baton Rouge, that's a sick nickname, he's from Louisiana, I guess, is the seventh greatest St. Louis athlete of all time. And with that, folks, I'm going to send you packing. I hate to do it, but I'll beat the dead horse here. There's really not a whole lot going on in the world of sports, given the circumstances, and uh, that's pretty much all there is to it. I do appreciate all you guys, though. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot. Praying that everybody stays safe and have a great rest of your day. Or evening. Or really just whenever you listen to it. There's something happening here. But what it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Telling me I got to beware. I think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's battle lines being drawn Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds are getting so much resistance from behind the time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. What a field day for the heat. A thousand people in the street. Singing songs and carrying signs Mostly say hooray for our side It's time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Paranoia strikes deep into your life it will creep It starts when you're always afraid Step out of line, the man come and take you away We better stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going now Stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going